The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, you're back in the DFSR here with an NFL podcast. It's Friday, September 14th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are here to break down all of the week two game-by-game action. We're going to be talking about FanDuel and DraftKings main slate, mostly as we uh, roll through each game, discuss uh, cash plays, GPP plays, guys you maybe want to avoid, maybe guys you want to have a little more exposure to, some injury stuff as well. going to cover it all on today's podcast. Last week it was a mega podcast. I'm not sure this week we'll reach mega podcast status. It's always depends on how long we talk for. And if you're first time with us, dfsr.com, dfsr.com slash NFL will get you started on a free, I think we still have seven-day trial, but maybe it's down to three-day trial. We're down to three days, dude. You missed your window, but three days is still a pretty decent deal. Three days takes you through week two, so don't worry about that. Um, It will cover you for optimal lineups, FanDuel, and DraftKings NFL. MLB, NBA when the season starts, that's about a month and a half away, NHL as well. We'll all have you covered under one subscription package, premium articles uh, too. We have Chris's, Chris Durrell's article about stacks going up. Uh, James has an article going up about how you should spend your Sunday uh, leading into lineup lock. And I have one that looks back at the millionaire maker uh, from last week and kind of some takeaways that we can uh, you know look toward for ownerships and different stuff. So all that stuff mm-hmm. is covered under one package, dfsr.com slash NFL. We'll get you started, and you are all good to go. We had a, in our, also another feature we have is premium chat, which is a, just a chat room for all of our users that go in there and people talk about baseball leading up to lock. Football is usually a really busy time. Everyone wants to get their football questions in and just discuss. But there was a football debate that came up in chat last night, and I did not tell you what it was off the air, and I'm wondering your opinion on it because I actually ended up having very strong – I also had like three beers, but like um, I also had, <laughs> ended up having very strong opinions about this where I okay. just ended up writing a ton about this in the chat. Fantasy scoring, is there, can you think of a real-world equivalent where – this one event takes place and one side of the event has one set of scoring for that event and the other side has another set of scoring for the event so i'm, what I'm you're talking about, about passing yards passing passing yards and passing touchdowns like the passing touchdown yeah. is worth four points in the in the, the passing yards you know depending on where you play let's say it's 20 yards for one point and then for the receiver it's 10 and six and the more i thought about it the more i just thought it's just unfair i just think it's a completely unfair <laughs> system and i don't know if it's like I don't know. I get it was like maybe done at some point to like bring everything down to the middle, and I got really, really upset about it. Do you have a strong opinions either way? Um, about uh, yeah, I think not- my opinion is different than yours. Actually, I think that it's a balance issue, and you would have what you would have, especially if you were thinking about a season long league. The disparity between the different quarterbacks would be even wider in terms of points scored in total, and it would mean that the first round would be mostly quarterbacks and that's, that's just not fine that that's just a scarcity thing it's the same thing with running backs there's a, but it's there's not a, though it's it's not exactly the same though because if you make it if you make the difference too wide it also creates a problem of where the first pick is so much better than the 10th pick because that position is so disproportionately important compared to the other positions right so if you have Aaron Rodgers or whoever as the number one overall pick like he might score 
Like if you if you brought it down to 10 yards or 10 points or one point per 10 yards passing, six points for a touchdown, he's going to score so many more points than the 10th best quarterback. And it's not close. And since the floor is higher on quarterbacks from season to season, as in like the standard deviation on their overall performance is going to be lower, you're going to have a huge issue in terms of balance. Like if you run anything more than a four-team league, uh, the picking later in the draft is just going to be so terrible. Um, so that's that's I think why, and I think it's a good idea. So yeah, sorry. I, 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 I guess what my point was. Um, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't really agree with it, but I, I agree that it would just change the landscape. Um, it would matter and, less for DFS. For DFS, it, you know, do whatever. And maybe that's but. what I was talking about more too. You just change the scoring. Uh, I I just thought it was. I thought it was thought mostly funny that the you know the guy who influences the most things on the field has to have his uh, has to have his weight downgraded just be, even though the real world application is these guys are by far the the, uh, the most valuable anyway we'll talk about uh, not to drive too far down uh, the rabbit hole of where I was going last night which was probably a little bit off the rails in chat but anyway we'll uh <laughs> I'm just glad I wasn't in there to disagree with you guys and bring you back a little bit because I actually me. think like especially for season-long leagues like you should some we should next year run a season-long league where it's one point for 10 yards passing and everyone will see how stupid it is really quick I think I'm so. not positive about that. I, I'm, All right, I'm, done. We're, we're okay. doing it next year. Let's go. All right, we're going to break down every game on the schedule today. We're going to, like I said, roll through some injury stuff. There's, there's some relevant injury things happening here today or for this week. Some stuff kind of hanging out there. We record this Friday morning. Uh, typically, Friday is when we get our best sense. Thursday is when you start getting the uh-oh factors of guys who haven't practiced. Friday is when you get the real sense of, hey, this guy hasn't practiced all week now. And, um, and you know, it's really looking doubtful. Or they got back on the field and everything's looking okay. So some of those will we'll kind of nod to and say and try to figure out you know what the situation you know if this then that uh with certain guys like i said there are not too many of them and there are some definitely interesting games as well uh, excuse me interesting games that from a fantasy perspective we covered a lot of plays yesterday in our cash game podcast so if you want to go back and listen to that uh the highlights there were alex smith ben roethlisberger uh camara connor uh Gurley, the Denver uh, wide receivers, uh, Galladay, and, I, and a couple tight ends, Cook and Doyle. So uh, if we skip past those guys today, that's because we covered them in depth yesterday as cash game plays. All right, let's start with the first game, 1 o'clock. Uh, excuse me, Texans go in and play the Titans. Uh, the, in, the news and notes here, the injury piece is Mariota is questionable, though I think he's going to play this week. Not sure how much it matters. Delaney Walker out for the season. That's a huge blow uh, to the Tennessee passing game. Tennessee looked pretty bad in the first week. Uh, Mariota right. especially. I was pretty bullish on Mariota going in here. Uh, looked really like a pretty bad pick based on the way he played. Kind of got injured. Gabbert came in. And then we have the Texans, who uh, took a loss to the Patriots. Watson... Didn't look great in his first game. It was pretty inaccurate, though he did get out and run a little bit. Texans are two-point favorites going on the road into Tennessee. Any, what are your th- uh, high-level thoughts on this game? Is there, can you make DFS cases for either side of the ball? Uh, and one more, one more piece, it looks like Will Fuller is going to come back and play for Houston. He set out week one. Thoughts on, on uh, the Texans and Titans? Sure. So I think for starters, uh, given last week that we reached epic megapod status, uh, I don't think we need to discuss the Titans too much. You're not going to play Mariota with the injury question marks and you're not going to play the Gabbert. Yeah, you're not going to play him either. So just cross them off, I think. And, and likewise with their receivers. Like, why would you want to run receivers into a questionable passing situation? I think on the Texans side of the ball, it gets a little bit interesting. Uh, as we noted, I think in the Cash Game podcast, the Texans, or the Titans, which team are we talking about? The Titans, yeah. The Titans last season were 
pretty good against the run and just horrendous against the pass. And so I think for that reason, I think you can consider the Texan side of the ball through the air. I don't know if you want to play fuller. Like I'm always, you're always less gun shy than I am. I feel like about playing receivers coming back from injury, but um, I don't think I want to play fuller, but I think the uh, Watson Hopkins duo is an interesting big tournament stack for sure. Yeah, I love Watson Hopkins. I, like I said in the cash game podcast yesterday, Watson's actually close to a cash game play for me. I don't think you need to do it. There's other teams that just have more projected points. Right. I think, uh, And I think he did. I, I think everyone would agree he ran hot on the passing touchdowns last season before he got injured. That was due, bound for some regression. And mm-hmm. I still just think he's a very good play. He still attempted 34 passes last week. He r- rushed eight times. That was the big number that I wanted to see. Uh, Average five yards per rush. So he was not the knee was not an issue for him getting out and running. And I think just the Watson-Hopkins uh, stack here, Hopkins still saw 11 targets, converted 8 for 78, uh, which is pretty good against a Patriots team that schemes him very well. Like he was double-covered almost the entire game. So um, the fact that that was, didn't seem like getting him out into the passing game was all that big of a problem, I think he'll go relatively under-owned because it looks like a slow matchup and um, the Week 1 performance just wasn't great. And that was kind of a thing I nodded to in this millionaire maker um article was that you know just looking at ownership percentages last from last week and trying to decide if you know ownership will increase or decrease for guys based on short-term sample sizes I I would suspect that this is one that does decrease and my expectation of their fantasy scoring has not really gone down all that much so I really like I I really like the Watson Hopkins thing like I said it's close to cash games for me I, I will probably not get there and it's mostly because I just don't think you need to there's other games that have a there's other games that have better totals and just better situations. One of those is the Colts go in and play the Redskins. Redskins minus five and a half home favorites against an Indianapolis team that just got, uh, they showed that they had no defense last year and nothing really seemed to have changed in the game against the Bengals. Bengals, Dalton was really efficient. Joe Mixon ran all over them. They couldn't stop anybody. We talked about Alex Smith as a cash game podcast, a cash game guy. Uh, let's talk about some of these other Redskin guys, specifically Adrian Peterson. So Peterson gets the majority of the carries in week one. Um, was not all that efficient, but he touched the ball a ton. Um, does he? Does he rank? How close to cash game viable does Peterson rank for you? Knowing that these, I mean, he touched the ball uh, twenty six rushes last week, not any targets in the passing. Excuse me, three targets in the passing game, and they actually broke him off for seventy yards uh, over there. Is he close to cash game for you? Knowing it's a good matchup, home favorite, kind of checks a lot of boxes, and it's still old man Adrian Peterson. So I'm a little gun shy. Yeah, I mean, the tricky thing here is that Indy was so bad on defense last season and, you know, just regression would have you believe that it would be hard for them to be just as bad this year. Uh, But, you know, they were one of the, I think they were the very worst team in the league in terms of yards per attempt allowed in the league and then a bottom six team in terms of rushing yards allowed. So the way that tended to work out was they would get passed on to start, fall behind, and the teams would just run all over them after that. Uh, I think it's not unreasonable to assume a similar game script here uh, with the skins being favored by five and a half points right now. I think, and you know, that spread getting wider over time too. It opened at five and it's been pushing higher. I think if they really are going to win the game. Like you're going to see 20 to 25 carries for Peterson once again. And, you know, Indy was actually pretty decent in terms of yards per attempt allowed on the ground last season. So, you know, maybe it's a similar case where he goes 25 for 98 or something, but you'll take that at these prices, right? I mean, he's certainly the definitive goal line back. Uh, I think there's considerable upside. He showed those electric splashes last week in the receiving game. Didn't really get it done on the ground, but if he can still break off the occasional long, long attempt whether it's via catching the ball or running the ball and we know he's going to get the goal line carries and he's in line for mid-20s volume in a good game script 
I don't think there's any reason to believe he won't have one here. So I'm, I'm gonna totally wait. Peterson. At the end of this podcast, just remind me. I'm gonna go Adrian Peterson or other running backs, and we can. I, w- I want to wait till we cover some of these other games because he's an interesting one for me. I can I sure. can be talked into either side of it. I looked at his game logs from the last couple of years. It did seem like he had issues after. It seemed like he had issues weeks after big uh, carry loads for him. And now mm. some of that though was he ran into bad defenses the next week. So I can't <clears> tell. It's a little hard to tell if it's chicken or the egg. It's clear he's just old. Like the, by. NFL standards, Peterson's just a pretty old guy. This, these guys just don't, specifically for running back, it's a little different. Not as old as you, though. That's all um, I'm going to say there. Yeah, well, age is relative, and in the NFL, this is old. Um, <laughs> me, I'm a spring I'm a spring chicken, but based on... Based the on DFS the game, dude. Yeah, you're still, you're entering your prime. That's based um, on that but, NFL article you published. Oh my goodness gracious, so good. Uh, so, uh, Peterson's an interesting one. I think... We're, I'm personally sort of saved by having other just other big money running backs that I just much rather play and I do find to be safer and better situations. And I think that if it was, this was a different week where one or two of those guys were maybe you know specifically the guys that I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, Connor Gurley and uh, and and Kamara, that I think it would be a much closer decision for me. And I'm thankful that I just don't need to. And I can I wouldn't be super shocked if people just did go this direction. What about Alex? When I talked about Alex Smith. Can you get yourself talked into anything in the passing game? He mostly threw to Thompson and Reed in Week One. Did not get the receivers all that involved. The receivers didn't crush Indy last week. Or excuse me, um, excuse me. The, take that back. The Bengals receivers did crush Indy last week. Uh, Green had a great game. Ross caught a touchdown. Uh, can you talk yourself into guys uh, like Crowder, like Doxon, even though they didn't see a ton of targets week one? Yeah, so in some order, I think Reed is the most attractive big tournament play here. And I'm not even sure it's close, honestly. Like, I don't think for cash, you probably want to stick your neck out when you can get Jared Cook or Jack Doyle for such a considerable discount. And they'll be higher owned, I would guess. Uh, But Indy was just horrendous last year in the passing game. And Smith won't really be able to take advantage of them over the top. And so the very logical guy to catch balls underneath is going to be Jordan Reed. Uh, He can do a lot after the catch, too. So I think there's considerable upside there. Uh, after him, I think Crowder's another interesting guy. I mean, yep. you know, with Smith coming in, Crowder has thrived with those underneath passes in the past. And given that there probably just won't be deep balls to be had on this team, then it stands to reason that he'll be the guy to gobble up a bunch of opportunities too. Uh, we didn't exactly see it in week one. But, uh, you know, again, if you're in that big tournament mindset, it's kind of tricky because Smith is not really a big tournament quarterback. But I think you can play either of these guys. Like I don't, so I don't know if you want to just go like Smith, Crowder, Reed. Like that doesn't sound too appetizing to me. Although you'll pretty much be on an island if you do that. But I think if you take either of these ball catchers, you know, to fill in around your QB wide receiver stack, then I think you'll probably be in pretty good shape. Yeah, uh, I think I pretty much agree with all the points you made there. On the indie side, uh, we saw Jordan Wilkins get the start last week. Marlon Mack is questionable for this week, so um, I'm not sure we do much with this either way. Uh, just because if Mac came back, I think the whole situation is to stay away anyway. And then, um, sure. uh, and if uh, even with Wilkins as a big time underdog, I'm not sure I really want to go there. Uh, we did say the last thing about Luck. Uh, we wrote in the re- week one recap that Luck has really struggled uh, to, or didn't. Okay, either he struggled or was not able to, or there was just a choice. I'm not really sure yeah. about just throwing the deep ball in the in the first game. He that it just wasn't. Either wasn't there for him, he was unwilling to. It's unclear to me totally. Uh, Doyle saw a lot of it. Hilton did not, and that's if that's going to be the case, I think I'd be very worried. This is going to be an interesting game for me to watch to right. see if luck, if luck goes another game where the air yards are just not there at all. Um, I would be incredibly bearish on his fantasy upside going forward. Um, and or we're just going to see a price decrease because he's going to have to throw a ton to make up right. for the to make up for the yards. So I think this will be this will be a game that I'll be looking into mostly for that stat uh, where we go uh, with Andrew Luck. All right, let's roll through a couple more of these games here. If Vikings go in and play Green Bay, uh, obviously Aaron Rodgers coming off a big 
you know, people call it like heroic, even though people misuse the word hero <laughs> these days. But that was a word that was bandied around for him going off, uh, leaving on a cart, going in uh, to the locker room in the first half, coming back in the second half and uh, putting together a, a second half that just had them come back over the Bears, nearly killing a, a lot game. of Bears yeah. fans out there. Uh, so, But he looks like he's going to play. This game had been off the books for a long time. It is now, has now has an active line at Green Bay minus two, which strikes me as Aaron Rodgers is playing. Like that's the going, that seems to be, oh, this, yeah. there's no way, they, there's no way they would be minus two against the Vikings uh, if, if Rodgers, if the, the, the belief was that he was not going to play. Vikings looked okay-ish. Uh, they beat San Francisco in the week, in week one at home. Wasn't a definitive win. Uh, Cousins was not, he threw a couple touchdown passes, but wasn't overly accurate. Uh, anything you like about this game uh, from a fantasy perspective? Adam Thielen's a guy, Thielen's a guy, I always mispronounce this guy's name. He is a guy showing up sort of in and around cash games. I don't know if you can talk yourself into him. Well, okay, so starting the Green Bay side, I think Minnesota was just simply too good against the pass last year and looked great against the pass in week one as well against Garoppolo. And I think that just has me not interested in Green Bay, I guess. Um, Aaron Rodgers heroics aside, I think people will talk themselves probably a little bit too much into that for big tournaments. And it's just not any action I need a part of. Uh, They were the second best team in the league in terms of yards per attempt last season. And, you know, teams didn't really... They teams were trying to pass on them. It wasn't like uh, it was this situation where teams were just up big and you know didn't need to pass. Like they tried to and they couldn't. And so I think for that reason, I'm off the Green Bay passing game. I don't think there's much to get excited about in the running game there either. On the Minnesota side, I mean, I think you're still basically just in this dreaming on upside territory, which is a great place to inhabit for big tournaments. But we didn't like the Cousins was fine in Week One, but I don't think we saw so much that. We're just like ready to just jump right in and be on the Cousins train, right? I mean, 20 for 36 is no great shakes. Uh, He did have the two passing touchdowns, but there's nothing to lead me to believe that it's just not another situation where you have a new quarterback on a team and it just takes time to work things out. So that's kind of where I am with that right now. I think both Thielen and Diggs, we've seen huge games from them in the past. You wouldn't be crazy to want to plug them in, but I don't know that I will. Yeah, 12 targets for Thielen, uh, 102 receiving yards. You like to see that week one. I'm not going to overreact to it. We saw different times where these guys kind of swapped around targets based on matchups. And this is, I get that was Case Keenum throwing the ball, so it's a little bit of a different situation. But it was sometimes on a week-to-week basis last year tough to figure out who the guy was going to be that game, right? Because these are just two very good receivers, and that can be some, right. somewhat problematic from a fantasy perspective. Uh, if you have two very good receivers who um, maybe stand to swap targets on a week-to-week basis based on you know, the opposing coverages, that's going to just be hard to know going in. So you like to see the 12 targets to the one guy, and if it went back the other direction this week, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I think Thielen ends up you know, leading the team in targets just because that kind of is his game. And I just, I probably do not want to do it in cash games. And I'm fine just kind of stacking that together in tournaments because I think it They're also just upside. not cheap either. Like, a, right. yeah, Thielen was fine in week one. Six catches for 102 yards on 12 targets isn't bad by any means. But, like, you're paying 7600 for the guy. <laughs> like you, you need to be getting a really good, really reliable receiver for that to make sense for cash games. For sure. So, uh, and I think I agree with you that on the Green Bay side, you can always look. You can always talk yourself into playing Aaron Rodgers in a tournament. Uh, he's just that good. I, I'm worried that he 
probably was pretty hurt and was playing very hurt at the in the second half of the last week and if it's his knees one of the big things of his upside is that he is able to extend plays and um just run and if i don't know after a week of a knee injury maybe adrenaline gets you through the second half i'd be i'd be a little bit concerned i think the minus two does sort of represent him them feeling that he's going to play and probably going to play hurt uh steelers go steelers steelers will host excuse me not the steelers i'm looking at the wrong thing i'm thinking last week saints will host the browns at home, this line started at an over/under of 47 and a half with the Saints minus eight. It is now up to 49 and a half with the Saints minus 10. All those points have come up on the New Orleans side over the course of the week. So we are now up to the minus 10 range. Uh, interesting note: this is right around where they were against Tampa Bay last week, and we saw how that game ended. Uh, I'm not using one thing to inform the other; just making a note that um, we saw them as huge favorites in Week One, and they end up taking the loss at home against Tampa Bay. Uh, we talked about Camara. Breeze and Thomas were guys that we played just strictly in cash last week on DraftKings because we liked mm-hmm. uh, we just liked that full game stack. Could you see yourself going back to the well, or have the prices come up a little too much to make that happen this week? No, I don't think the price increase is really going to scare you off that much. I think if you're viewing this as the highest upside team, which it very arguably might be, uh, you know, the issue with Breeze in the past for stacking him with wide receivers is that there have been question marks around exactly who's going to get the ball. I mean, it's been like this ever since he first joined the Saints. But right now, it seems like there's a pretty definitive hierarchy and that Thomas is going to eat first. And then after that, it's like Kamara. And if you know that that's going to be the case, like you can do some real damage with the amount of volume that these guys can put together. And I still think, like we talked a little bit about Kamara's opportunity yesterday. I think the way they used him is actually pretty illuminating also in terms of what they might do if they get up in the game if they don't view him as like a grind you down sort of running back and their backup options are crappy enough i don't see them like do you, they're just not going to give gillisley the ball 15 times or something to run down the clock right like sure doesn't i think there's like it. i still i still think they're just going to do short passing and that that means i think thomas and kamara are both i think they're both probably fine for cash games honestly uh but for big tournaments yeah no brainer um, I don't think we learned too much about the Browns in week one. People are a little bit excited about their tie in terrible weather. Like, it's probably time to take a little bit of a deep breath, deep breathing exercise there and, and come back to it after we get a real week. So, um, yeah, I'm not worried about the Browns defense. If that's what anyone's wondering. And, yeah, Saints, all systems go. The, the, the things you I think you learned about the Browns last week are that Tyrod Taylor is going to target Jarvis Landry. Um, you know, it was now how those targets bear out remains to be seen he was very inefficient seven for 15 last week i think the 15 targets do tell you a lot the condition will be much better for them this week obviously in the dome right. than they were it was, a, it was a windy wet game mostly the wind was an issue uh, they did throw to landry down the field which is something that the dolphins did not do a ton last year they kind of kept it short and sweet with him working out of the slot and just kind of dinking and dunking it was that's that's worth a lot in DraftKings, by the way to be able to do that um oh, yeah. if the 15 targets are going to be a real thing and you have to assume the browns are going to play a lot of games from behind uh, Landry probably gets close to cash games, and I'd just be so worried that the quarterback play is just so subpar that I, I it's like it's the old fifteen. All fifteen targets are not the same, right? Fifteen targets from Absolutely. Tom Brady are going to be very different than fifteen targets from Tyrod Taylor. Maybe he gets there on volume. Maybe we have another week uh, where the price kind of stagnates. I'm not really he's sure. A tournament play. I, uh, he's, a, he's a great tournament play, you know, but he's just sure. not. He's not there for cash for me at all. Uh, Carlos Hyde touched the ball a ton in week one, 22. They only ran for 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's, I guess you learned that he's going to be their running back, and you learned that he also that just struggled to run the ball. So I think we like learned things. From and the passing conditions were so terrible, too, that like you know it's kind of a weird thing where both the defense probably knew they were going to run, so that hurts Hyde, but he probably got a lot of volume because the passing conditions were so bad. So Exactly. Yeah, on net, why bother? 
And, um, I mean, down 10, like I'm being a minus 10 dog, too. You're crazy to play the game. Yeah, no. So I think I, I don't mind doing the Taylor. Uh, I don't mind doing the Taylor Landry thing. I If Josh Gordon is going to play a full set of snaps, maybe he catches mm-hmm. something downfield, especially if they're playing catch up. I, this this offense, I'm, I mean, maybe I'm overreacting to week one. This offense does obviously seem worse than what you were getting from the Bucks last week. And I would not have said the same thing going into week one. I probably would have put them on par with each other in offense. So it's funny how one week's worth of just yeah. results can sort of change a narrative about certain teams. Uh, and, if, you know, maybe we just all, maybe it all flips after this week. I'm not sure. It's also a little tough to tell, you know, how much of that was the Saints defense last year. The Saints defense was very good in 2017. One of the top ranked DVOA defenses, especially against the pass. They had true shutdown corners and they just got completely blitzed by the Bucks last week. And that's just true. not a thing that really happens to very good defenses. Like you can have bad games, but yeah. it is going to be rare that a very good defense just is just allowing deep ball after deep ball down the field and allowing Ryan Fitzpatrick just to convert every single third down and just big big plays over and over again. So I'm a I'd be a, you know maybe they're not as bad as week as they were in week one and I'd be concerned that they maybe just aren't as good as last year because again good defenses just don't allow that to happen. One more note about New Orleans uh, you were talking about how they use guys in the passing game. Thomas and Kamara accounted for 65% of the overall target share in that game. Uh, that is an overwhelming amount between a running back yeah, and a so wide it's receiver. Brown and Brown and Bell, basically, right? It's I Brown mean, and Bell when they didn't have Juju or something like that. Like it's like yeah, it's yeah. it's some cra- it's just a crazy crazy number to be that involved in the passing game when one of the guys is the running back. So um, just worth noting, and we mentioned we talked at length about Kamara and just maybe some slight concerns about what they're going to do with him uh, in terms of running on the ground. All right, let's keep rolling through here. Another interesting game that's going to I don't know. I have strong opinions. I've already said about, uh, and it seems like Vegas does, or you know, the, at least betters do. KC and Steelers. They start out at a fifty over under with sure. the Steelers minus four and a half. E- the points come up equal on both sides, and now it's up to fifty three and a half, which is a really <laughs> high number for an NFL game. It's uh, a really like, high number. It's like, like, this mean, is like in like a non Patriots division. I, I can't remember the last line I saw that. Non dome, non Patriots. Like to just have two teams that have a fifty three and a half over under. That's just kind of and it can't, to have it come up equally is just saying that these teams don't plan on playing any defense this week. Uh, we talked a lot about Patrick Mahomes. I think people play him in cash games. I have, want no part of it at all, and I will be sort of excited to see if he has a very high number with the idea that I'm willing and ready to be, be to be disappointed if he just turns in the game of the century. Let's start there on the KC side. Do I, I'm guessing at this right? Ownership percentages are some of the hardest things to get a handle on. You know, judging it, it's and, and, and it is one of the most important things to know going in, or you'll never know it. To try to prognosticate ownership percentages is extremely important, especially when playing GBPs. One, do you think we see Mahomes as a as a you know pretty big cash game play? Two, do you think would you be comfortable on a full fade of Mahomes here, like GPP and cash? I'm close to talking myself into it, and I'm just wondering your thoughts. Oh, I, I'm going to full fade Mahomes. I just think, to, just for starters, the owner. I'm not going to play him in cash because I just don't see any reason to choose him as my one quarterback. I just don't think there is even a case. And for big tournaments, I think he'll have excess ownership to where I just don't need exposure to that. Um, like, I just assume faded. I think there's just just as many scenarios where he just doesn't go off and 30% of the field is dead or whatever, and then I'm just feeling excited. So uh, that's why I won't play him. I do think it's interesting, though, like, if you had to pick a week for him to go off, the Steelers wouldn't be that bad a team to do it against, right? I mean, right. 
first of all, the Steelers have the passing attack to punish Kansas City's terrible passing defense. You know, again, just going off of last year. I still think that's a better sample to use than the one game they played this year. Uh, Kansas City second to worst in the league last year with 12.7 yards per attempt allowed in the air. Uh, Simply awful. So Pittsburgh should be able to punish them pretty effectively there with their good quarterback and excellent receiving duo. And going the other way, Pittsburgh was also terrible against the pass last year. <laughs> they they were the fourth worst team in the league in terms of yards per attempt allowed in the air. And I think they're going to punish mistakes that Mahomes might make less so than other teams might make. So I certainly see the big big upside case here. I, by the way, this makes me really like the Steelers side of the ball. I think you're yep. going to see a lot of fast possessions either way. Like if Mahomes is just launching the ball deep every possession, he's either going to score or be a three and out or an interception, right? So right. I think for the Steelers side, I really, really love that side. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a great game to target. I, I don't really know much else to say. Like, I like the Steelers for cash, could play them. Obviously, Connor, I think for KC, I'm just not sure you're getting away with anything given all the hype that's going on right there. From a projection service standpoint, these are the moments and seasons that sort of not define what you, you know, where you stand on certain players, and they kind of do. Like, I hate to, like, just be overdramatic about that, but um, there are certain times in the past years where we have said, no, this simply does not make sense. Sometimes these things work out. Sometimes they don't. I... From a number standpoint, I see no case to do it, like you with Mahomes, and other people are going to see things very differently, and it'll be very mm-hmm. interesting to see where it happens. And not to say I'm nervous about it, because I believe I stand by our product, and I stand by our numbers, and I stand by the process that you know we've put in, or I put in over the course of the week to make sure that like these things are all very close, or like just a close to opportunity. And I just don't see it with Mahomes, and I. I don't know. I, it's it's not a great feeling when you turn on that. Well, game sometimes on you're pub- sometimes you're publicly right about it, right? Um, and this is why I like doing those experts league. By the way, I guess there's not really running anymore. But like, it was great to be like Julius Thomas. He had two touchdowns on three catches, like full fade, easiest fade in the world. Even as other people were calling him a cash game lock. And when that comes through, it feels great. And then sometimes you just run bad on it. But um, that's not. We went through this I'm, last I'm not, year. I'm not in the business of trying to. I'm just trying to make good calls. I'm not in the business of trying to worry about what other people are, yep. you know, like how people are going to perceive us. Like I, like the best thing I can do for my users and my listeners right now is to say, this is a bad play. And if it turns out to be wrong, like it really, in my opinion, you know, coming from the poker background, it is like, like if you play Mahomes, if you fade Mahomes this week and you lose, it's like, well, should I have gotten in my, you know, pair in a flush draw against an over pair? It's like, yeah, you should have, you know, you were in a good spot. It was close. Um, and you lost, but just move on with your life. Like you can't, literally, just can't win them all. So I want to make one more um, distinction about my comment before about fading Mahomes. I'm actually my fade reasoning is is different for the two different things. I I don't mind fading him in cash because I simply think he's too inconsistent of a passer to right. to have to worry about. Like I'd much rather just play. 75% completion rate Alex Smith against a bad defense than, you know, mm. 50% completion rate Patrick Mahomes against a, a, also against a bad defense. But um, if I'm just looking at in terms of what gives me the highest floor if for a cash game, Smith is clear. The, the Mahomes GBP thing is not because I do not think he has upside. So I want to just clarify this one point. I think he has extreme yes. upside. Um, I'm interested in fading him here because I don't think the upside is, um, is tied enough to what I think his ownership percentage is going to be. I would not doubt that he is the highest owned GPP quarterback this week. And if I'm going to be underweight on the field on that, I'm happy to do it. So I guess that's, that's I want to say, I just want to make sure that it's understood about why I, the fading, the reasoning behind the fades is just different for the two different scenarios. We talked about Connor. I think that, I think very much, you know, you mentioned the Steelers stacking them together. I think this game relative to their pricing 
is very close to what we did last week with uh, the Breeze, the Breeze Kamara Thomas thing. I think the Connor's cheap enough that you can play him with Brown and and uh, you know Roethlisberger is in that seventy six hundred range on Fanduel. You know he's you know twelve hundred less than Breeze this week, right? He's only you know, he's two hundred more than Watson. I think that I think that group falls very close to what we saw last week from New Orleans, and I would not feel uncomfortable just stacking those three guys together in cash and feeling like I had a pretty high floor. One last thing about Roethlisberger. He is on the injury report right now. I do not believe he's practiced up to today. There's varying levels of not concerned at all to, oh, this is a little bit weird that he hasn't practiced yet. So we'll have to keep an eye on, on that for today. He's got basically has to practice today. He's old enough that he probably just doesn't need to practice for the whole week to come out and play. And if he was hurt, I'd just I'd probably walk that statement back just a little bit. All right, so that's that's kind of where we stand. I mean, last thing about Casey, we didn't mention these guys. Um, how concerned are you with guys like Kelsey, who was just a huge target guy last season? Didn't seem to see the targets as much from Mahomes. If he's going to be more of a downfield passer, do we need to start actively thinking about downgrading some of Kelsey's projection here? Or do we stand pat with where we had him for Week One and maybe wait another week to see if those underneath routes materialize a little bit more? Yeah, well, I think we don't need to play Kelsey. I just don't, again, like, I think he'll be, people will have their eyes on him. Um, I think if you're going to stack Mahomes with someone and you want to, like, be a little bit against the grain, maybe you just go with Kelsey in that scenario, and maybe uh, that actually does work out for you. But, yeah, right now I think I'm still just in wait-and-see mode on him. I'm clearly not going to pay him, play him for cash. There's just no point whatsoever. And uh, given that I only ever want to play one tight end, I probably won't run him in GPP either. Yep. Um, I, like I said, he had Alex Smith throwing to him last year, accurate passer, which really helps the tight end. I'm not sure if that's and not a, And passer who can't throw deep. I mean, both of the, it's a dream spot for him to be, you know, kind of that Gronk-level tight end last year. Exactly, which he was. I mean, he, or, he, or he was, you know, butting up against it. And, Another uh, case for Jordan Reed, by the way, is just Kel- what Kelsey was able to do last year. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah. a one-for-one. One. It's a basically a one-for-one one comp um, in terms of, you know, what you we can look at in terms of projections going forward. All right, uh, next 1 o'clock game, we get the Dolphins going in and playing the Jets. Dolphins invo- involved in a very weird game in Week 1 in that there was multiple rain delays. The game didn't end until, like, after the 4 o'clock games ended or right around that time. The game, it just took absolutely forever because it kept having to come off and do lightning delays and weather delays. Uh, so I'm not, you know, it's, it's those games are always a little bit weird because it's like the, the complete the flow of the game is completely just destroyed, uh, just based on. Uh, sure. you know, they didn't even bring Mariota back out. I, I don't think after the second one because they're like, you know, why bother? Uh, so we get <laughs> the like Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, I, kind of. I was going to compare it to that actually. Like, it was kind of mm-hmm. like that situation. And then we get the Jets, who you know, they start Sam Darnold. He is. I believe the youngest quarterback ever to make a start in the NFL. Like I need to look that. I could have sworn I saw that somewhere. And he was pretty damn good against the Lions. They the Jets just blew the doors off Detroit on the in the uh, Monday night game. Uh, he went 16 for 21 for 198 yards, two touchdowns. Didn't have to do anything else really because they were just crushing him. They put up 31 points in the third quarter against Detroit, and the game was effectively over. How much do we make of a pretty accurate passing performance for Darnold here? Um, he has some guys. Uh, uh, Quincy Anunwa is a guy that's actually butting up close to cash games for us and saw 10 targets with a young quarterback. Um, they are favored at home here, which is pretty Jets fans have to be a little bit excited. Can you get to talk yourself into anything on either side of this ball uh, this week? Uh, well, let's start with the Jets because that's where you started. I don't know. I mean, first of all, the running game, I think you can cross it off. Like we saw a straight up timeshare between Kroll yep. and, Paul, and Powell, and you're just not going to go there. Uh, a lot has to go right for one of those plays to wind up being a good one. Uh, as far as Darnold goes, like, sure. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the, geez, who is the, the young quarterback, Mahomes, geez, uh, that we just talked about where, like, yeah, is there a reason to be optimistic about his future? Absolutely. Like, you don't see a lot of really young guys go in there and be, like, that efficient. 
they also didn't ask him to do a lot, and I wonder if that's by design. And, you know, given how young he is, do we, I mean, do we expect him to go out there and have a 40-pass attempt game? Because if he's only going to throw the ball 30 times a game, I mean, we've seen this with countless guys in the past, Matt Ryan, you know, you can be heavily efficient in just 30 attempts a game and still have a hard time paying your value. So I'm definitely not going to play him for cash games. I, I think for big tournaments, he can be somewhat interesting. Um, you mentioned Anunwa. I, I think he's a guy, you take away the touchdown and it's still a pretty reasonable game. And the fact that they were up and he still saw 10 targets is probably a reassuring sign. So I can see, I, like I wouldn't uh, send you an angry text if I saw Anunwa in the cash game lineup. It's just that, Good because he is right now on FanDuel at five thousand. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think I don't mind it, frankly. Like I think five thousand. That's probably it's almost certainly too cheap. We saw him be more expensive than that with probably worse quarterback play in the past. And with young quarterbacks, I mean, and this is why Mahomes is actually such an intriguing story. Teams tend to start them off slow with the shorter ball, and that's where Nunwa can really thrive there. Uh, I think the 10 targets is probably, I mean, very few players, I think it was like five players averaged more than 10 targets a game last season. So don't count on 10 targets from anybody, basically. Uh, But if he gets eight targets a game, he's a phenomenal value at that price. Well, what you love to see for Anunwa specifically is that he was 50% of a rookie quarterback's targets. And we've seen, if if the NFL has proven anything, it's that Mm. quarterbacks have guys they like. And that's oh, yeah. the guy they like. And that's just, and you know, for better or for worse, uh, usually for better for guys because um, you just want to be targeted. If you are the person who established, the wide receiver who establishes yourself early as a young quarterback, or really any quarterback, even if, like you're switching teams, the go to guy, it, it can switch. Um, like we could just see Terrell Pryor be the guy next week, I, or Robbie Anderson be the guy. Uh, those guys don't fit the mold of what an unwanted has. And if you're, like you said, a young quarterback that is trying to, just keep your head above water and make sure that you're just completing passes and being efficient oh, yeah. and not being asked to you know throw the ball a ton downfield. Although he did, uh, Darnold can and probably end up will end up doing it. Uh, if you see fifty percent of your quarterback's targets, I think you can be very bullish on the guys like this going yes. forward. Um, and specifically because it'd be hard for Darnold to throw fewer than twenty one balls on the same token, right? That's so, what I mean. And so like yeah. so maybe it goes down to thirty five percent, and you're still looking at ten percent targets for share. You know what I mean? Like you're just looking at ten total targets because it, it's yeah you're right. right. It's it's not reasonable to suspect expect that that is going to be. That, that's got to be the lowest amount of passes he's going to throw all season, right? Like, I don't think, think there's so, any. Yeah. I don't think there's any way that we can, unless like the Jets just become like just the, one of the all-time great defenses and just don't allow any points and just continue to put up like tons of defensive touchdowns and whatnot. But uh, so that's mm-hmm. that's why I'm very bullish on Anunwa. Um And I actually just realized in looking at this that our um, matchup multiplier for him is off. So his projection is actually going to come up another five percent or so because uh, he has a pretty mm-hmm. good matchup against uh, this Miami secondary um, that is not terrible. But it looks like from our numbers, Anunwa is going to get another little bump. So we might end up seeing him there on DraftKings. Like I said, for Miami, uh, you know, Stills had a decent game. The game was kind of all over the place. Kenyon Drake did get a majority of, you know, there was some concern that Frank Gore was going to eat into some of Drake's just overall usage. It happened a little bit, but Gore, I mean, Drake outsnapped Gore 46 to 18. So while Drake only outcarried him 14 to 9, and Gore was decent on, was de- was decent just running the ball 9 for 61, uh, Drake, Drake still touched the ball 18 times in a game that they were winning uh, any do you like this do you like the Miami side at all from like a tournament perspective it looks like they're also maybe going to get Devontae Parker going into this week uh yeah I mean you're going to want to keep an eye on the Parker situation because obviously that would really eat into the potential attempts for the rest of the receiving core uh whether you know given that he probably won't be at full health I don't know if you want to necessarily stick your neck out there and play him um I was pretty underwhelmed by the Miami passing game last week I think you know, even guys that put up big totals like Stills, he only had five targets, right? So 
Like, I don't know that anyone could confidently, honestly, call out any of these guys as just great plays that you can count on. Uh, Amendola, six targets as well. We thought that number would be a little bit higher. Um, The running back situation, yeah, we saw Drake get the 18 touches. I'm a little bit concerned by him because... Like 6,600, you're starting to get out of that true punt territory for running back. And the fact that Gore still did get those nine carries and was really good in the nine carries that he did get leads me to believe that, you know, we're going to see those like 13 carry games for Drake, 10 carry games if Gore is is looking hot. And again, I just don't know why this would be the guy I would want to stick my neck out on for this week, really for any format. I don't, I can't really dream that the biggest thing I think about these partial running back by committee situations is that it's really hard to dream on the upside in that spot right because one thing you know that drake won't get probably is like that 30 touch game why would he they have gore like (laughs) if things are going great they'll just take him out if things are going badly they'll probably just take him out too uh versus a guy like james connor who you know is just gonna be the guy uh yeah i just can't make a good compelling case on the math piece for drake for either safety or upside yeah totally agree on all those points i drake is uh yeah kind of just waiting for Frank Gore to get injured frankly I'm not done ever root for injuries but um not waiting for not waiting for Drake to get injured by the way no, I have no interest in playing Frank Gore but um I wouldn't mind there just being it just being Drake's show again like it was last year when Damian Williams went down next one o'clock game interesting one here Panthers go in and play the Falcons okay so the the um newsworthy injury note at this point on Friday morning is Devontae Freeman has not practiced all week did get hurt at the end of the Eagles game and uh, is right now not practicing. So this is not to say news hinges on this news, or excuse me, lineups hinge on this news, but this would be a pretty important one because if Freeman were to sit, Tevin Coleman would clearly come in as the uh, at least two down back. Like I looked at last year's, mm-hmm. there was, Freeman missed two games, and Coleman took 19 and 20 carries in those games, but really was not the third down back in those games. And I think that's, no, that's noteworthy here because it's good to slot in punt guy running backs, punt running backs, and I'm becoming increasingly gun shy on running backs that just aren't involved in the passing game as much as I want them to be. And so I don't know. This will be one we'll have to evaluate as we go forward. And then the other pieces of news here is that Matt Ryan just looks stone cold awful in Week One against the Eagles. <laughs> sure, no other yeah. way to put it. He was just dreadful. He was really bad to the point where armchair quarterback kind of people were speculating if he's hurt there's been no news about that so i'd be i'd caution anyone to say if you heard like your favorite talk show radio host say he looked hurt um they are just making that up. just like, real quick did you no send idea. my brother chris an apology text after you saw matt ryan's performance because you drafted matt ryan for my brother chris he was just the last quarterback <laughs> left and it's not my fault like he should have just picked a better matchup the guy is like i just did him a huge <laughs> solid by drafting an absolute nuts rest of the team and although i think that team had chris hogan too oh no, they had james connor so maybe and, Mc- and christian mccaffrey yeah, I, I, I really, I reached for, I reached for James Conner, and that's the kind of guy that wins you Week One, even when your quarterback play isn't that good. good. So, um, so Ryan uh, clearly was very bad Week One. I'm not going to go with the, go I'm not going to go with the, you know, the way some people think about this stuff, which is say, oh, he looked hurt or whatever. There were some positive signs that he targeted Julio Jones a ton in that first game. Uh, you like to see that from Jones. Now, obviously, the big news was that he did not target him all in the red zone, uh, which just still continues to just baffle even the most lay. Uh, NFL person fan the why why this doesn't happen but Jones goes 10 for 169 uh, no obviously no touchdowns and Brian goes 21 for 43 do we meet somewhere in the middle here on these two guys because I want to be it's hard for me to imagine Ryan's as bad this week as he was last week it's hard for me I don't know what do you think about what are your what are your thoughts here on the, on the Falcons I'm, I'm sort of I, I'm of two minds in this game and I want like I guess hear your thoughts first 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm pretty unexcited by Matt Ryan. I think I you know when older quarterbacks start struggling and you just can look that bad in any given single week. Like, you know, the, in the old Tom Brady never has weeks like that category. I mm-hmm. think there's very reasonable suspicion that Ryan, that something is a little bit off. I think the degree to which, and I'm, I mean, he's obviously just not a cash game play, so hopefully that's just off the table right now. But if you're even thinking about dreaming on the upside for big tournaments, he's another guy that we just saw reduced attempts for last season, even in games where Freeman missed. Atlanta clearly wants to rely on the running game um, to a higher degree, and that's just going to leave Ryan out in the cold. The guy you want to be interested in, though, is Julio Jones. I mean, the man comes out last week with 19 targets against the Eagles, yep. and, I mean, you talked about Anunma eating up a lot of target share. That's all well and good. We've seen Jones do this in the past, and when he can get those 19 target games, like, the guy can put up 50 fantasy points <laughs> in any yep. given week. So I think Jones probably runs bad on his, you know, total point scoring given how frequently he was targeted so I don't think you want to go with Ryan in all likelihood I think Jones is like a one-off probably makes total sense so I think Jones great big tournament target you can potentially even talk me into it for cash games although there's probably just simply better options out there but yeah I think uh, don't don't sleep on Julio Jones just because you know the 10 targets only turned into 169 yards but no touchdowns you know well, so right now, so I'm going to say a lot of things about this game because I thought about this one a lot yesterday. So a couple of things. Once the start right now, Julio Jones is in our FanDuel top lineup. It's very close, though. So that's something that can yeah, easily change um, over the course of the week. Uh, and it's basically swapping between him and Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. It's choosing one. It's basically choosing one of these uh, expensive receivers. And mm-hmm. at that point, it's it probably is going to come down to which guy we give a half a target more. So just to, and, and to you know, look into how projections work, the, the, the spread between these top tier of receivers is very thin to the point where it's going to just be a gut call on it, I think. Um, and I get that that's not always the best way to do projections, and I'm just comfortable with just saying that's how we do it in these in these closer situations when it comes to sort of generating optimal yeah. lineups. So that's my one thought about Jones. I'm totally clear about it. Uh, and T- Coleman would become an interesting cash game running back, though. On FanDuel, I would be hesitant to get away from a Kamara, Gurley, Connor stack just to put in Coleman. He's not the most efficient runner in the world, and even times where he spelled Freeman, he, the yards per carry – were good, not great, and like mm-hmm. I said about the pass catching. Um, and now I'm going to say two conflicting things. One is that on the one hand, I think this game, in terms of like sneaky stack territory, is the one. Like, so if last week you were to game stack, you know, I wrote about this in the Millionaire Maker Thoughts, but the game, the Tampa Bay New Orleans game stack is what won people a million dollars, right? Like the the two lineups that won were different players, but they stacked that game and then just had random other guys in it, like four other guys that were random. One guy. All of them had Kamara Thomas uh, and Fitzpatrick, and then some of them had Evans and Jackson, and the other one just had uh, Fitzpatrick and, and Evans. Excuse me, Ev- Evans and Fitzpatrick. Jeez, oh, Evans and Jackson. Sorry, I'm going a little off the rails here. So game stacking is highly correlated with winning GBPs because you only need one event to happen, right? Like you're not waiting on all the other events. You need this one thing to sort of work itself out, and if it does, you have... Yeah, fast possessions back and forth, and you're in the Tampa Bay North. Exactly. Yeah. This is very correlated together. So I think this game, from an under-owned, high-upside standpoint, this is the game that I would target. And I'm basing it completely on ownership. Like, do I think there's more points going up in the Steelers game? Yes. Um, I think there is, and I think that the, the ownership levels on those guys will be much higher. I'm very bullish on this game. And I'm bullish on it from the Falcon side for the reason you just mentioned, like Julio Jones, if, especially if we get Tevin Coleman. And then if you look at the Panther side... Cam is a guy you cannot play in cash at this point because he's not consistent enough. 
And now he just lost one of his best pass catchers, Greg Olson. And I could really see a scenario where if they're playing from behind, the, the Cam to McCaffrey plus Julio Jones and Tevin Coleman uh, the game has a ton of upside. Like, do you, can you talk yourself into this thinking? Because I spent time thinking about this yesterday, and this is kind of where I landed on a game that I think will be under-owned that has pretty big fantasy upside. Yeah, I think when you're trying to figure out when to stack a whole game, one of the biggest things you want to look at is fantasy point consolidation. And yep. I think both of these teams are excellent in that regard. I mean, like take a team like the Steelers where you have three guys that are going to get all the points, right, uh, in any given week. I mean, it, frankly, even still with the new running back, uh, the quarterback, Brown, and Connor. I mean, I guess you can make a case for Juju. In this game, you have Cam, who he really is like is the archetypal quarterback in this in this way where he could run for three of the touchdowns for Carolina, right? And all of a sudden, you're playing a running back one at quarterback and getting 220 passing yards on top of it. So he's a great guy to, to stick there. Um, and then on the other side, you've got Julio Jones. Julio Jones could easily be the highest scoring wide receiver and Matt Ryan could still not be that great, right? So <laughs> I think if you went yeah. Cam, Jones... Uh, I think Greg Olson, you just pick somebody who could be Funches too. Well, no, no, sorry. No, Olson's um, out for the season. That oh, no, I'm sorry. McCaff- yeah, yeah, yeah. McCaffrey was the guy. That yeah, yeah. You, you, you confuse the white guys. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, that is not it's, why it's, I got confused. <laughs> well, yeah, so right. But nonetheless, you could take, yeah, McCaffrey's another good example too, where like when you can score in multiple ways, that can also help with your point consolidation. So, right, you take uh, Cam and I almost said Olsen again. That's <laughs> not why I'm confused. Uh, or and you take Julio Jones. That that looks really good to me. I think you know running quarterbacks in general tend to be good big tournament options as well. So yeah, it checks all the boxes. Cam leads the league in rushes last. Leads the team in rushes last year, last week with 13 scores a touchdown on the mm-hmm. run pass option uh, in the red zone. That where I think he had the option to hand to McCaffrey and just chose not to. I think that's a good sign that McCaffrey is in there still for those packages. Um, they did come out. The coaches came out and said, our plan is to still give Christian McCaffrey all these carries. That's coach speak. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world that they said it, though. So while it might it's better not than saying the other thing, right? Like Exactly. Like, it, well, yes, right. It might not come to fruition, and it's still good that they are saying that this is their plan. I mean, McCaffrey was on the field. He was on the field for the most uh, offensive plays of any uh, of any um, skill position guy, 57 snaps, tied with Funches. So it's not like the snaps were a problem. Uh, they just didn't give him the ball a ton. And he was still pretty efficient, 10 for 50. Six, uh, he led the team in targets. If they're playing catch-up, this guy, he slots out as a wide receiver. If he gets the carries, and, 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 and man, if the game script goes where Carolina can get up early, I, this is where I've really talked myself into this as my like under-owned, game stack i really like it i can kind of talk myself into funches not as much though i just don't think he's all that good uh, and cam's just not accurate enough although i guess he does have upside and they're very short on receiving options we're gonna wait on the freeman news i'd be much more bullish about it if Tevin coleman was part of that just because of his price and what i think he could stand to do in carries and that's my uh that's my call of the week there for the game stack i think that, uh, I like that that's the one i've really talked myself into all right let's get into the next one o'clock game chargers go in and play the bills Bills try out Nathan Peterman for another week as a starter. Uh, yeah. Doesn't even make it through the half, uh, I don't think. I think that's when he got benched, oh and that was the end of him again. This guy is yeah. – he clearly can throw a ball because he wouldn't even be on an NFL squad. But, man, this guy has had the two just worst – like he throws like the four or five picks his first game last year. Yeah, so if he came Chargers. out to like our turkey bowl on Thanksgiving, we'd probably slot him in at QB. But you're saying I would pick him first. NFL talent, you, you're not sure. Okay. I would definitely pick him first. Uh, so the, no <laughs> doubt about where he would go in that hierarchy. Uh, but, yeah, no, they both – 
a quarterback for the Bills, you're already probably behind the eight ball. Or if you're there, there's something else that's probably gone wrong unless you're Josh Allen and uh, you are drafted. He's going to take the start. Uh, the Chargers come in. They they lost to the Chiefs last week. Rivers still threw up for over 400 yards. They are minus eight home, or excuse me, minus eight road road favorites going in to play Buffalo. I mean, how much can you talk yourself in the guys like Melvin Gordon, uh, Keenan Allen again? These are, you know, talking about teams that have a concentrated attack on offense. Uh, the Chargers definitely fit that bill. They have three guys, and especially Gordon. Gordon got a lot of touches here. Is the pace of game going to be high enough for for facing the Bills? Can you talk yourself into these guys' as cash game, please? Yeah, I wonder, I wonder about Gordon like being a part of that serious cash game discussion because, you know, the 15 attempts, nothing to write home about on the ground, but the 13 targets in the passing game, this could be a, a big storyline all season long because i mean especially on DraftKings, that level of target share just raises your floor insanely high and you know alan just back to his old ones 11 targets eight catches 108 and a touch like just get used to lines like that uh, as the season progresses so i think alan you know definitively a great cash game play the price hasn't caught up gordon though he, he's one i really have my eye on because he's not often listed in that discussion with the biggest name guys and based on that level of opportunity, he probably should be. I mean, he's struggled with efficiency on his touches in the past, but everyone's going to be more efficient through the air. So, yeah, I do like him. One quick note, you were, you were complaining about scoring in terms of passing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. PPR, I think, is the, the very dumbest thing in the whole world. Like, there's no reason why you should get a point simply for catching a ball. Like, I think that is... That's very stupid. So <laughs> I just want. I've argued before that if you're going to get that, you should get a ball for you should get a touch for the carry. It's something for the carry. It's I, just like so I think stupid. there should be. It just makes. If, no if sense. it's an opportunity cost, if it's an opportunity point, then I'm all for it. But right. I'm, if you're I'm, just I'm trying to reward people, people for guessing who's going to get the ball more and maybe lower variance, sure. But it's it's extremely stupid that you get a point for that and not other opportunities. So Melvin Gordon, um, right now, if you run our DraftKings lineup, he's in DraftKings lineup one. Uh, he is a very good value yeah. this week. There's no doubt about it. The, the main reason that he is in he is there as opposed to Kamara and Gurley is the price. He is twenty one hundred less than Kamara on DraftKings and eighteen hundred less than Gurley. That is a huge number for a guy that is an elite. We've yeah. seen him to be an elite touch guy in a very good matchup this week against the Bills. So yeah. I am I that he's a cash game play for me because of the price. I think that you're gonna struggle to pay those just top tier prices on those running backs and I'd be real concerned about paying all the way at the tippy top for Kamara for the reasons I mentioned before. So I think pivoting mm-hmm. down to Gordon at 7,400 gives you a nice natural pricing hedge between the two sites. If you're playing FanDuel and DraftKings, this is why I suggest playing multiple sites with different prices because it'll just give you chances to get guys at like their optimal price points rather than just jamming in all the guys that you want to see you know win on a certain week or you just have to have. So Gordon is, is a really, I think, pretty strong example of that. There's nothing you like about the Bills except that you probably like the Chargers as a team defense. Oh, <laughs> shoot, I meant to mention one other thing. My, my conflicting idea before about the Falcons, uh, Carolina game, I forgot to mention this. I also really like the Falcons as a team defense this week. Um, I think that like they, yep. I think if you did not stack these games, I think you can actually do a running back or even like Julio Jones and the defense stack, just because the there's a there's a, a big possibility that Carolina just can't put up any points here. Well, like, and I that's, think a, that's, that's another why... thing that's important to note about GPP plays, and this kind of goes without saying, but all or nothing players are actually pretty nice for you too, because their price is going to be reduced based on those disappearing weeks, right? Because if Cam went off every week, he would just be nine thousand dollars. But the fact that he right. can utterly disappear makes him cheaper, so that's good for GPPs, but also like great this great guy to target. Uh, defenses against two. I'm going to have both sides of that. I, I think that I think there's upside in both of those scenarios, right. and I can see uh, either one sort of uh, playing out. And I just forgot to mention that I said that something was going to be conflicting, and then never totally got there on the idea. Eagles go in and play Tampa. Tampa, obviously, the surprise of the week last week 
winning the game uh, outright at on the road against the Saints in a huge game from Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Eagles, uh, they did win against Atlanta, although that sort of more seemed like Atlanta lost the game more than the Eagles actually won it. Foles did not look very good in the passing game, uh, only 19 for 34 for 117 yards, which is about as low as you can have for a guy that completed 19 passes to only average 3.4 yards per uh, completion is just... I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a number that low. Frankly, it's just it's just it's barely throwing the ball. It's 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 the, the, the it qualifies as a pass and it just kind of went past the line of scrimmage and the guy fell down or got tackled. What do we make of this Eagles team? Uh, we did talk about Nelson Aguilar as a possible cash game play after he sees ten targets. Earth still saw ten targets. They ate up twenty of the thirty-four overall target share uh, that the Eagles saw. And then JJ did get outsized carries here, 15 carries for 62 yards, kind of got luck boxed into the two touchdowns late. Uh, anything you like on the Eagles side? And how bullish are we on the Tampa Bay team going after a huge week one? Yeah, on the Eagles side, I think Aguilar, you made a pretty good case for him on the Cash Game podcast yesterday. Not really a whole lot else I would be interested in sinking my teeth into, I don't think. Um, you know, Chris Goodwin, people will be drawn, or Godwin rather, people will be drawn to the 12 fantasy points and a relatively cheap price but i don't know that you can count on a touchdown every week if he's only going to get four targets um so yeah that's just kind of my general take there i think a guy he's like the exact wrong price point for me for a guy with his current opportunity and skill set uh you like to see the touchdowns of course but 15 total carries ugh, why yeah. you know Corey clement had five carries you know, even getting 75% of your carries on a team without a great rushing attack is just not much to write home about. Uh, Tampa Bay is the one that I'm just having difficulty figuring it out. You know, I brought this up, I think, on my on our Tuesday podcast, reflecting on the week one stats, but nothing about that first week performance screamed sustainable to me. Um, Fitzpatrick, with this same team last year, had basically his exact career averages in terms of yards per game and yards per attempt, and that was a sub-seven number, so... Unless you think like all of a sudden Mike Evans is going to convert 100% of his targets and, you know, him and Deshaun Jackson, if Jackson even plays, are going to keep linking up. They <laughs> Imagine a week where Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans were your one and two receivers and they combined for 100% conversion rate and four touchdowns. Like, yeah, it's just, not or, I'm sorry, yeah. three touchdowns. Of the two, right, this is awesome examples because these are the two guys. It's like maybe you throw They, they could be one mix. and two bottom, right? They, they could be the lowest <laughs> in terms of total uh, target conversion by the end of the season. So and just nothing about that scream sustainability to me. And everyone, I mean, talk about a team that will probably be over-owned relative to their upside. I think Tampa Bay is just all over that. So in the old why bother, I'll just like eliminate 10% of the field by just not even having a single piece of it. I think I'm going to cross Tampa Bay off for myself this week. Yep, I have no interest. The Eagles are much better defense, you would assume, oh, yeah. than, um, than what the Saints threw out there last Definitely. week. Uh, you did mention the you nodded to Deshaun Jackson. If he plays, he is questionable to play. I don't think he's practiced all week. Yeah. That would likely open up more targets. Uh, they would be still a pretty rough situation to walk into. Eagles have a very good defense and a good secondary. Only other new, inter- somewhat interesting news and note here is for the Eagles side is Sproles is questionable. And I mentioned this because Sproles did see 12 touches last week. He saw five carries and seven targets in the passing game. That's uh, that's a decent number. And I know it's like sometimes weird to think about you know a third down scat back kind of guy as being a guy that opens up opportunity and. I don't know, 12 touches out of a Nick Foles offense uh, is something that you can probably tick other players up along the margins. Like I said, like Aguilar, um, maybe you give Ajay and Clement each another touch. You don't give Ajay any targets because he's not part of the passing game. So uh, while Sproles, he himself is not interesting, I think actually does 
open some stuff up if he were to sit. So I guess keep an eye on that uh, and adjust projections accordingly like we will. Uh, one, actually, I'm going to make a note of a game from behind because I think it's funny. The quote just came out. Uh, I'm seeing it on Twitter where Sam Darnold praises Quincy Anunua saying, quote, it's awesome to be able to throw to him. I, that's kind of something I wish he had said to him like in person. He's like, Quincy, I just want to tell you, man, it's just awesome to throw to you. Like, you I just probably love did, it. dude. You don't know what happens behind the scenes. Well, when you say things through the press, it's like you're saying it to the guy. That's how these guys operate. So anyway, just I'm, I'm even more bullish on a none one now. This guy's this guy's a wide receiver one all across the board for me. All right, let's go into <laughs> uh, let's go into the four o'clock games. There's only three of them. We but some Thank interesting God. ones. It seemed like there were 1700 one o'clock. What's well, so like, I was like, when do these one o'clock games end? I was like, is every single game like on one o'clock? They're playing two weeks worth of games just in one o'clock. That's what I mean. All right, Cardinals go in and face the Rams. Cardinals just couldn't have looked worse in week one blown out by the Redskins. David Johnson was a non-factor. Uh, it looked like they didn't even know how to use him or if they wanted to use him. Bradford looked completely lost. Uh, when the Redskins are blowing you out, uh, you know, the Redskins aren't a bad team, but uh, and no one really expected the Cardinals to be good. But this was the concern with DJ going into the season was not that his skill level was, was, not, the, was not great. Obviously, it is, and we have to assume that it still is sitting out with a wrist injury, but the team is just so damn bad that I just... Running backs on bad teams, we've seen this happen a million times. It's very hard to be a great running back on a bad team just because you're losing too many games. This game looks like it's going to be more of the same. The game starts off at uh, minus 10.5 for the Rams all the way up to minus 13.5, which, again, you just don't simply don't see lines in the NFL this much, like this much of a spread. Um, how much I'm, – I'm just – I'm wiping the Cardinals off the board here. I, if you want to do a Bradford – if you want to play Fitzgerald because you think he sees some passes before he gets killed getting a yeah, ball. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. I think you can touch um, Fitzgerald for big tournaments, I think – just keep in mind, like Bradford, <laughs> coming off injury, new situation. He's he's already uh, dog-eared as the guy I'm going to refer to in the ebook next year. As when a guy joins a new situation, just don't assume he's going to be good. So I agree with you, Fitzgerald, and probably no one else here. How okay? So my question here is, how worried are we about blowout? Because the Rams are a great team, uh, good, very good defense, awesome offense, thirteen and a half point spread. We have Gurley in there, at least in FanDuel. Uh, we have the girly and fan duel cash games as of right now. How worried are we that he doesn't maybe see the fourth quarter? I mean, this is not something we usually talk about with NFL games, uh, but there are certain situations where it just needs to be mentioned because uh, there's a definite situation where this game is well over before the fourth quarter even starts. Yeah, we saw Gurley lose touches in blowouts last year. I think that's definitely something you want to consider. I don't think you want to play anyone in the passing game anyway, probably, just because you know, opportunity tends to get spread around. Guys are relatively cheap, but, you know, we saw guys come and go last year too. Like it was Woods one week, it was Cup the next week. Uh, the introduction of Cooks obviously muddies the waters probably even further. Uh, he pulled eight targets, so it just looks like a straight target share, probably everyone a little bit inflated, and the blowout risk just exacerbates things. So for me, it's like a question of do I want to play Gurley? Do I want to prioritize him as one of my top two running backs? And I think it's it's fine. Um you know, the line is a little bit disconcerting. Uh, it's probably not enough to make me just give up outright. Oh, one thing, I, I didn't mention this. I just want to say about the Cardinals. You can respond to my Rams thing in a sec. I think David Johnson, assuming that he plays, he's questionable right now with the back. He could be an interesting big tournament play because if you assume that the only way that the Cardinals stay in this game is that David Johnson just absolutely goes off, then I think you can look at him. Uh, he already had nine targets, and if Bradford is feeling, you know, like he just can't do anything, which probably should be how he's feeling. There is an outside chance. Johnson's the kind of guy that no one is going to want to play because he's expensive and was bad last week that has just as much upside as anyone if things happen to break right. So uh, I don't mind Johnson. 
I completely agree with you. And one thing I'm really working on for myself this year, and I've mentioned this on other podcasts, and I think I even mentioned it in writing, because I'm, I'm mostly just saying it out loud so I stick to it, is I'm working so hard this year to not be overreactive to a week's worth of sample size for anything, right? Like you simply can't – this is a mistake. It's so easy in the NFL more than any other sport to make this mistake. And there is also a reason that people thought Johnson was like the first overall pick in drafts this year, depending on where you went. And mm-hmm. we shouldn't be too turned off to that after just one game. I think there's reason to be worried. They looked really bad. And teams can just make adjustments and slightly improve. Now, are they going to improve right. to win the, the, the West or wherever they're in? No, of course not. They just don't, simply don't have the talent. And when we're talking about close to like generational talent at running back, which Johnson, went at, when fully healthy, was sort of that kind of guy in terms of just overall usage and yards, mm-hmm. where he's just not going to touch the ball 15 times every game. They're just going to, at some point, just say, look, we're just going to play him. We're going to run him. We're losing. He's still going to get the ball. We're going to make sure. Like, I think because when you just are the best player on the team, any team that has even half a brain is going to figure out. What's uh, the point? Like, what are we ball. saving him for? Right? Like, we're going to be, you know, either five and eleven or three and thirteen. Like, <laughs> right? There's, there's no playoffs so, coming down the pike here. So exactly. And I think that I, I, I to- I'm totally with you. Uh, him as a GBP play, and I think that um, that there is anything can happen in the NFL. This one looks god darn unlikely to happen. I didn't almost got the explicit tag. Um, god darn to, to, yeah, to, to happen. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, if you're looking at these these expensive kind of running backs here, he is. Uh, I'm not seeing a projection for him, so I need to figure out why. But anyway, I, I'm total. I'm totally with you. Uh, I think that he is definitely a GBP play on the talent alone, and I think that he will go almost completely unowned uh, this week for all the reasons that we kind of mentioned why the Rams are a good place. All right, Detroit goes in and plays San Francisco. San Fran, uh, every year we get a team that just gets kind of decimated by injuries. That's what's already happening to the 49ers. They lose Jarek McKinnon before the season even starts. Now Marquise Goodwin has not played or has not practiced this week after getting hurt. He did. He got hurt last game, came back into the game, and now is not practiced all week. So we'll have to kind of wait Yikes. for the news here. And yet, San Francisco is minus six-point home favorites against Detroit, who looked... Every bit of piece of awful against the Jets in week one. Sure uh, Stafford was 27 for 46 through four interceptions. Yeah. Um, another season where they simply just can't even do anything close to run the ball. I'm not sure when this will ever change, if and when it'll ever change for the Lions. Uh, they had Theoretic had four. No, they were getting killed. So, But they were getting killed, but they weren't really running the ball to start anyway. So, I mean, the, the Lions look like they're just awful. Let's start with San Francisco. And okay. they split carries between Morris and Brita. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do with the passing game? I'm mostly interested in the passing game here. So like if Goodwin were to be hurt, how much do we want to bump guys like Garcon, uh, Kittle, maybe Pettis? Trent Taylor Jimmy had G six an, targets. Yeah. Is Jimmy G an option here? I mean, I was no, very bullish on no. him going into the week one, and he looked not that great. And I also don't want to overreact to how good I think he can be. So, I mean, talk to me about the 49ers because I have a lot of question marks. I can be. I can kind of go either way here. Well, so first of all. They went up against Minnesota, so everyone is going to look worse when you're going up against one of the best passing defenses. So I think we can give them a slight pass there. I don't think you want to make any big declarations in terms of how bad this team is going to, good or bad this team is going to be uh, going forward. I do think you'd be probably a little bit, I mean, anything can happen for big tournaments. I, I guess I don't want to make any huge declarations there, but you'd be a little bit nuts to try to make any speculation in terms of what's going to sh- how things are going to shake out in the passing game in particular. You know, weird things happen when you're going up against good defenses. You know, good quarterbacks will try to find uh, opportunities to catch the defense off guard. So it's not clear that Trent Taylor's six targets were part of the plan or just an adjustment that was made as, you know, they tried to take away Pierre Garçon and as Goodwin got hurt. So I don't think you want to touch Pierre Garçon with a 10-foot pole. Uh, he had just looked bad. He's been bad in the past. 
I think if you want to try to pick a guy, whether it's Pettis or Taylor or whoever for upside, go for it. I can't credibly say that I have any clue how it's going to shake out, though. So I this is a game, maybe, maybe I'll just throw in one of these guys here and there, but I don't think there's... I don't think anyone could responsibly tell you that they have an idea what's going to happen either. I think you're. I think you're really encouraged by Kittle's nine targets. He was a guy that did see more Kittle, targets right, right, right. Yeah, toward true. the end of the year last year. Uh, five for ninety against a good. I mean, against a pretty good. Excuse me, a very good Vikings defense who was also good mm-hmm. against the tight end last year. I think you're encouraged by that. I'm not totally dissuaded by the six only six targets uh, and two for twenty one by Garcon because he has been a possession guy. Although he's starting to get creep up there, which is why I mean, well. he, but he didn't out target the other guys. That's my problem. You're right about Kittle. Yeah. Kittle, I, that was a notable omission. Kittle seems like probably a strong play, arguably for any format. For the wide receivers, why would you play Garcon though? Like Taylor and Pettis have just as many targets. So like, what are you what are you hoping for from him? I guess. Well, I just you're hoping for a better matchup because he just drew Xavier Rhodes last week. Now um, he maybe just draw, uh, draws Slay this week too, so maybe we just forget about it no matter what. Like I think that's probably where we're gonna end up. I'm looking at a wide receiver chart here, real quick to see if I can. Yeah, it looks like he's gonna get Slay. So he's not, and he's I mean arguably in a worse situation than he was last week. So I think I'm with you, uh, and maybe that's what opens up even more targets for Kittle. And I just think it's worth mentioning though that they are six point favorites. Like six point home favorites is where with a 27 over under. So like Vegas sees yeah. points going up here. That's a lot of points, right? That's you know, it's funny. It's a lot of points for a team that we're decidedly unexcited about in fantasy. And I always think that's the interesting thing. It's like, mm, okay, sure. if you're looking at implied points and you just look at this list of guys and you're like, ugh, from where, right? It's like, but they're going to score somewhere. So I think that's where I kind of, and it's one thing, you know, you look at the, you, know, you look at the Cardinals, you're like 15 and a half points. You're like, okay, dude, I don't need to talk myself into anybody here, right? There's no points going up on the board. So why bother? Uh, but when, when you see a, you know, the fifth highest total of the entire week for this one team, and we're like, eh, maybe George Kittle and Cash, and then move along. That's like, well, something's gonna happen, right? So I, that's that's kind of where I land in, like, in just trying to figure out where these points are gonna go. I think you do see the Niners uh, as a defense people play, just because if you figure that Detroit just will not be able to run the ball, well, your very best chance of getting interceptions is when you have a quarterback that's either playing from behind or just forced to pass all the time. And the single best way to correlate uh, interceptions is just for a guy that throws a lot more balls. So I think that's where, especially when it's Stafford, when he's I don't know, just Matthew Stafford. All right, final game going in here with the 425 game. Uh, Raiders go in and play the Broncos. We talked at length about Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas last uh, in the cash game podcast. We think they're very strong plays. Uh, Denver did open as a minus four and a half favorite. It's now up to minus six with the points coming up eh, pretty evenly. It's a 46 over under. Uh, what do we think about this? They split carries between Lindsey and Freeman last week. Uh, Case Keenum, is he a cash game quarterback for you? Uh, he was really pretty pretty good with a couple good receivers against a pretty bad Oakland team. Uh, what can you be talked into this game? We also did talk about Jared Cook on the Raiders side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of cash games, it'd be hard to try to speculate that this exact running situation would work out again. You just very rarely see guys just get straight down the line 15 carries each i do think Lindsay at that price point is pretty darn intriguing though i mean 15 carries three targets in the passing game including a, a passing touchdown he's less than five thousand right <laughs> like right. W- stranger things have happened than a five thousand dollar running back who just scored 17 points scoring 10 uh, and i think you know there are a lot of options at running back running back is kind of strange this season the, the bigger question for me is will this team really run the ball 30 times a game uh because you know not a lot of teams wind up doing that but sure i think there's that that's at least one i think you'll see some ownership in Lindsay for big tournaments and i think it's probably correct to want to take that stab for cash games yeah sure keenum sanders keenum thomas i I think all of those 
are reasonable directions to lean in. I think Keenum will be more expensive as the season goes along. Uh, I still, frankly, maybe don't totally understand the $6,700 price tag. We saw him fetching higher prices last year on Minnesota, and you could certainly argue that he's upgraded his receiving core for this year. So uh, the understandable bump down for the guy in the new situation. But after that, like we've seen it one week, why can't he do it again against just a strictly terrible passing defense this week? I, I, I don't see any reason why not. So... Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a guy that stands to kind of come up in price. This is again, this game scripts really well for the running back situation. Both right. free, it's funny. Both Freeman and Lindsay each had exactly 15 carries for exactly 71 yards each, which is uh, I don't yeah. know. So if you're trying to, if, if the coach was trying to just pick the hot hands or choose the guy that was looking a little bit better, uh, you're gonna have to look a little bit closer at the game tape probably. Freeman didn't get his targets too. Do you think he winds in the locker room now? Like. Why he didn't 50 50 snap share i mean this is yeah. gonna be it's just it's just by all accounts just an rbbc right. uh even though it didn't look like that was gonna be the case it looked i mean it was freeman fighting out Devonte booker who actually got 19 snaps on his own it was freeman seemingly fighting out Devonte booker in the preseason and then Lindsay that comes out of nowhere i mean he was cleared on the roster and was going to sure. uh get, gonna get some usage and i think that it probably did surprise everyone a little bit and none, the none of these guys without risk though like you know the running back by committee is a good point and the snap share is a really good point too because we do see that running back by committees sometimes turn into not running back by committees when you're not expecting it if, if one guy's having a hard time. So uh, pretty risky to run these guys, I think. Yeah, and sure. And like, the, and the last point about that, in this game, I just need to look up real quick while I'm doing this. Yeah, this game was, they were up, but they weren't up by a ton. So it'd be one thing if they shared the snaps and they kind of were spelling Freeman late, but that really wasn't the way the game was scripting out. They were just swapping series. And that's that's mm-hmm. the thing that you just get a little concerned about. So it's like, if you get 50, like if you looked at Baltimore from week one, you saw Alex Collins didn't get a ton of touches. You're like, oh, they were winning by 40. They just didn't need to bring him back in. Like if they were just worried about his right. usage, clearly. Like in a closer game, the fact that they're just kind of swapping series back and forth, uh, that's the part where it's going to be hard to project one guy to be way better than the other going forward. Final game of the four o'clock games. We have New England going in and taking on Jacksonville. It's a rematch of the AFC East title game uh, that New England ended up winning that Jacksonville kind of blew. Uh, New England starts as a minus one favorite down to a pick em, And we're going to see how this goes. Both teams are, go, are expected to put up some points around 22 and a half for each side. Uh, the big news and note uh, that we're going to get here is Rex Burkhead is has not practiced all week. He was in concussion protocol after getting injured in week one. Um, he did go back to practice yesterday, though it's not clear that he actually practiced. So I don't know if you need to, I don't know if you have not cleared concussion protocol, if you can be at the facility or not. So that's a little confusing to me. I'm sure we'll have more definitive news uh, that as the day goes on, which can make some interesting plays between Burkhead, uh, possibly James White. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but what are your thoughts here on New England going and taking on Jacksonville in a week where they're going to have to face a pretty stout defense, and then we'll kind of talk about uh, the Jacksonville issues because they have some injury issues of their own. Uh, well, a couple things. First of all, if Burkhead plays, I'm off it because I always get concerned about the concussion thing. Like a guy can just get pulled out of the game randomly for seemingly no reason, and I just don't know if that's where I want to be for cash game plays. Also, Burkhead, good target, good uh, touch share here out of the running back situation, but White clearly the third down back. I mean, White had nine targets in the passing game. I think for that reason, I yeah, Burkhead cheap. May, ultimately, maybe the the price wins the day. I don't, I can't math that in my head very well. The eyeball test uh, wouldn't feel great for me, but if the number is low enough, obviously, like you could conceive of playing it. Uh, I think White though, if, if Burkhead misses and Michelle misses, you're in a really interesting situation there because now you have a pass catching back. And I think, by the way, I think he ran bad in terms of ter- converting targets into receptions last week. You could see him come up to like six catches for nine targets and all of a sudden he's paying his price 
just by virtue of catching balls. So I think White, a very, very interesting play if Burkhead were to miss. I think we kind of are saved uh, Chris Hogan debate this week because he was a chalk play in week one and clearly was just bad uh, week uh, against the Texans. He didn't see really any targets and um, really disappointed people. I wish he had a better matchup this week because this is a guy that I would play on the over, you know, way high owned in week one where maybe nothing changes that much and we can go ahead and play in week two and he'll just have, you know, half the ownership. I just, unfortunately, the, the playing Jalen Ramsey and company is just not the situation you really want to target Chris Hogan. in. so uh, it's tough mm-hmm. to really, it's tough to really go anywhere. It's tough to even make the case in GBPs. I mean, it's still Tom Brady and it's still, you know, the, the Patriots, sure. but outside of the running back situation, I'm going to struggle to find a lot that I like in the passing game. And then the other side is Fournette. Fournette left the game early against the Giants. TJ Yeldon came in and spelled him and just was a pretty good running back. They're saying that he's going to play. Are we just doomed for a whole? I was so bull. Every guy I was bullish on going into the season has just got hurt or sucked week one. So um, the, uh, or the, the excuse me, not not all, the three of the guys specifically. Uh, and sign up at dfsr.com slash NFL. Uh. <laughs> I'm not here for the full season projection. So the, um, I, you know, are we doomed for a whole season of just Fournette just kind of just being always a little bit injured? This was a problem for him last season. It's already reared its ugly head in the first half of the first game this year. Uh, can maybe and maybe we'll you know, here's the thing if you give your running back your young running back the ball 30 times a game he's gonna get injured <laughs> like right. you know we get we like these guys for dfs purposes for real life purposes it's utterly irresponsible and the fact that jacksonville was grinding him down that way uh, this is a predictable outcome and yeah it's too bad uh, I, you can't play the guy uh, if he winds up missing you know we've seen jacksonville doing this doing this dance in the past where uh, Yeldon seems like kind of the guy to me. Uh, 14 carries, seven targets last week. I think he becomes cash game playable. Unfortunately, he's also just like a little bit expensive based on last week's reasonable performance um, with Fournette coming and going. So I don't know. I, do I want to play running back against New England either? Ugh. It's so many scenarios where Jacksonville just falls down 10, and I just want to, I hate my life. So I don't, yep. I don't think I want to do that either. The only reason I'd be like bullish on Yeldon is because of the pass catching. Like he is there as in this, like as part of their hurry up packages as well. So um, that's where if they fell down, it may isn't the end of the world for for a guy like him. Uh, and at his price, I could probably be convinced of it, and I'd still not feel great about it going into like I would really not feel good about it in cash games. Right. Uh, and for GBPs, I, I could, but this is only if Fournette is hurt. Like I don't want to. I'm not making any other, any other kind of like guess on Yeldon's usage if, if Fournette is playing. Uh, we did see uh, some ownership on the wide receiver core. Uh, they just still have Blake Bortles thrown to them. I don't know another way to put it. Keelan Unlucky. Cole, he, he was a guy. <laughs> uh, there was uh, Keelan Cole only saw four targets. D.D. Westbrook saw six. Uh, you know, just when you think was, you know something, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, it's crazy. It's just a run so bad on Blake Bortles. I, I, I wouldn't mind in a hurry up a game where they're losing, which is you know you can definitely picture. I could talk myself into some upside on the wide receiver core, and I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't say it with any great conviction. Let me just quit, play a quick nod. These are the, We're done with the main slate games. The uh, evening game is the, the Giants going to play the Cowboys. Not all that interested in this game if you're looking at um, – if you're looking at like a primetime slate and then you get Chicago and Seattle. So you're getting to, uh, you're getting to some pretty slow games, not all that many points going up on the board, but again, you know, you can filter for, uh, if you're playing the Sunday into Monday slate there, you know, we're going to have everything updated to make sure you still get optimal lineups for those slates as well uh, with pinpoint projections, even if we do not uh, cover them here on the podcast. All right, let's get out of here. But I think we're going to, do we reach Megapod status? We're at an hour and 10 minutes. I need to know how to label this when I put it up on, when I put it up on iTunes. Is a Megapod an hour and 10 minutes or should we find something like to talk about for another 15 minutes so we can uh, yeah i think an hour and 20 is typically my megapod time but yeah i think it's close i think we can call it 
Is there a word between mega and irregular? That's what you. That's your homework for as we get going here. Oh, I mean, yeah, quasi mega. I don't know. Whatever. Let's throw like another little qualifier in mm, front of it. All right, here sure. we go. The DFSR.com/slash/NFL gets you started. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com/slash/NFL free three-day trial. That's going to take you through week two's action on the main slate. We're going to be up and around uh, our premium chat all day Sunday talking baseball. Uh, so you are going to be baseball. My God, I was thinking about, I just thought about baseball got in my brain because I was like thinking about uh, just doing. God, someone going to make me talk about baseball all day oh, on Sunday? Lord. Yeah, no, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Everybody. My bad, my bad. Okay, no, football. We're going to be in there all day uh, talking in our premium chat. So go check that out. Optimize for FanDuel and DraftKings as well. All set to go. Twenty nine, Free for three days, twenty nine ninety five a month. We'll be back next week recapping the week two that was. Buddy, enjoy your week two of football. I'm sure I'll text you all day with how our players are doing. Can't Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.